Heavenly Father, it is indeed a wonderful mercy that we have your word before us and that we can spend time looking into it together. I thank you for the time that I've been able to spend this week preparing over a passage that has given so much comfort, so much encouragement and so much strength to many people throughout the centuries that it has led them to make a stand for you that was able to continue despite terrible opposition and even death, that the words we have before us are incredible words, Lord. We pray that we may be able to fathom something of them today and that we may indeed be encouraged ourselves and bold for you as a result of looking at them together. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, persecution can occur for many reasons. There's many reasons that you can be persecuted. I remember, and uh, all through my childhood, being persecuted by my sister for my gender. She always persecuted me because I was a boy. She had this story, which is a true story, but then she embellished on it and made more out of it, about me when I was born. I was born in Queensland and I was born in this little country hospital in the middle of nowhere and there was only other one child on the ward. There was only other one baby there uh, at the time that I was born. And for some reason, one of the other patients pointed out, not a maternity patient, but one of the other patients pointed out to my mother, I think that woman has your son. And I was over getting a free feed from another, uh, the other woman who was there on the ward. And it turned out, yes, uh, the babies had been mixed up and it was quite easy to tell because uh, the other baby was a girl and I was a boy. So it was quickly reversed. But my sister claims that she was meant to have another little sister and not a little brother. She doesn't like the fact that I was a little brother and she thought it would have been better for her to have a second little sister. And so she loved to talk about that story and loved to persecute me, I felt, because of my gender. There are many reasons for persecution and persecution we have all experienced and it is quite common. And so it is not therefore surprising that Jesus then speaks about persecution in the Bible at some point and he happens to do so here at the Sermon on the Mount at the very beginning but at the end of these Beatitudes that we've been looking at. We've been looking at these for the past uh, this will be the fourth week that we've been looking at these Beatitudes and so we've seen that there are eight of them and the first four deal primarily with the way that we deal with our God, our attitude toward God that he then blesses, that he gives us approval for and then the last four, working from verse 7 down to verse 10 have more to deal with how we uh, have the attitude towards those around us those attitudes towards those around us that God blesses such as uh, being merciful, uh, showing purity of heart towards them, being peacemaking with them. And then this last one has to do with persecution. So it's not so much an attitude that God blesses as a condition that God blesses, a condition that his people are put in that he then gives his approval to and gives his blessing to. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning is this attitude or this condition of persecution. And to deal with this, I thought I'd ask four questions of it. So I've got four main questions this morning that I'm asking of this attitude of persecution. 
The first question then is, why should you be persecuted? Why should you be persecuted? As I said before, there are many reasons for persecution and it's interesting that Jesus does not say, blessed are the persecuted, full stop. Meaning that any persecution that you may experience then has God's approval. Anytime someone insults you, persecutes you, you have God's approval. And because we know that people are persecuted for all kinds of reasons, for gender as I mentioned, but also for race, the Ku Klux Klan does a very good job of persecuting people for race. People are persecuted for their political views. You hold to a particular view and people will insult you and call you names and maybe even persecute you with violence in some, in some cases to do with communism, those kinds of political views. There are persecution breaks out and I believe in America it's even worse with Democrats and Republicans and our Labor and Liberal here that people really don't like associating with a Republican if they're a Democrat, that there is persecution for political views. Jesus isn't saying that that type of persecution is blessed by him. He doesn't stop at blessed are the persecuted full stop. He gives a reason for the persecution. Nor does Jesus say blessed are the persecuted for being a religious nuisance. It's important to look at that point because some people as Christians tend to go out and make themselves a nuisance in the name of Christ And then when they are persecuted for doing that, when someone doesn't want to have to do with them or answers them harshly, they take it as a blessing upon them because Jesus has said, blessed are those who are persecuted for being Christians, as it says in in these verses. But Jesus doesn't say that, that you can be persecuted, uh, you're blessed for being persecuted for being a religious nuisance. Instead, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because of righteous behaviour. When you go out and are a religious nuisance to those around you, you are not behaving in a righteous way. Jesus has said, be sharp as serpents, but as gentle as doves. When we are to deal with those around us, we're meant to be gentle with them. We aren't meant to be harsh and unkind and Bible bash them and get on their their nerves and constantly be harassing them. That is not righteous behaviour. And when you are persecuted for doing that, when people insult you and say, get away from me, you Christian, Jesus doesn't say you're blessed for that because you've been behaving in an unrighteous fashion. Jesus blesses us when we are persecuted for righteousness, because of righteousness. When we behave in a righteous way and are persecuted, then we are blessed. But why would we be persecuted for righteousness? Wouldn't, Wouldn't the society love us when we behave in a righteous way? Wouldn't it make sense that they would love us when we are loving to all those around us? Why would they want to persecute us? Well, it's because they're, they're happy for you to, uh, to be loving towards them and to give to charities and those kinds of things. They may really love that about you. But when you start to say that certain things, certain behaviours are wrong and you avoid those, you start to become a bit of a moral conscience for them. You start to get into their heads and are nagging that back there that they are doing something wrong. So they're happy when you're merciful to those around you. But when you start saying, oh no, I couldn't abort a child. 
No, I don't get drunk on the weekends. No, I don't commit adultery. They start to think you're saying that they are doing something wrong when they commit adultery, when they get drunk, when they abort a child. And so you become the moral conscience to them and so what do they do in result? They start to persecute you. And this may be as simple as you're at work, you're all entitled to a half hour lunch break and you and everyone takes 45 minutes. But the righteous Christian, without saying anything to anyone else around, always takes half an hour. What do you think that's going to do in the workplace? Everyone's taking 45 minutes, but the Christian always takes half an hour. He's showing up all the other non-Christians in the workplace and making them feel bad about what they're doing. And as a result, they will definitely, I would say, insult that person and say bad things or at least encourage that person to start taking 45 minutes like everyone else. They don't like it when you stand out from among them and make them feel bad about what they're doing. So it is logical then that they will persecute you for being righteous. They do not like you there as a nagging conscience. But the other reason why we are persecuted, Jesus gives two reasons here. First is in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. The second one is uh, down in verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because, he's giving the reason, because of me. Some people will persecute you simply for associating with Jesus Christ. They just don't like who Jesus Christ is. They don't like hearing about God. They don't like the fact that you have put your life in his hands and call yourself a Christian. And so they will persecute you simply for who you are. And this is in certain religions that uh, the Quran teaches you to persecute the Christians. There are certain passages and they don't like the Jews as well. They just don't like you for the religion that you follow. And so people will persecute you simply for being a Christian. So, two reasons why should you be persecuted, for righteousness sake and for being a Christian because of Jesus Christ, not for being a religious nuisance. I hope I've made that quite clear. The second question I want to ask of this is, what is persecution? What is persecution? Because Jesus, this is an interesting beatitude, the last one, because we have it set up in verse 10 like all the others, but then he goes and expands on it in verse 11 and 12. He actually Uh, takes this beatitude and unpacks it a bit for us. And one of the ways he unpacks it is to tell us a bit about the way that people will persecute you. The way that people will persecute you. And so that's down in verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Three different ways that people will oppress you. They will insult you. People will just say nasty things to your face, they will call you names for simply living a righteous life and for owning Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And so they will say things that really don't make any sense for them to say. They will call you fool, they will call you stupid, they will pick up on something about you and start using that to ridicule you. And the classic example of someone experiencing that kind of persecution in the Bible is that passage we read about Elisha. 
those youths that come and they see Elisha. Elisha's just done this wonderful thing. He's changed the water so that it is, it is uh, useful now. He's a great prophet. He's been there with Elijah leading up to this event. And what do these youths come and say to him? Do they come and debate with him and say, you're stupid for uh, believing that there is a God and start to reason with him? No, they just say, go on up, you bald head. Go on up, you bald head. They keep jeering at him. They've picked up on something about him that they think uh, they can uh, see as demeaning to the person and so they just start to insult him to his face. And people will do the same to you. It may look like they aren't oppressing you for Christianity in the way that they insult you, but they will oppress you and it will seem like something different, but it is really at the heart of their problem with you is that you're a Christian and that you're living a righteous life. But they may insult you in another way that it appears that they aren't really oppressing you for Christianity, but maybe because of your baldness, as they did with Elisha, for some physical attribute. And then there's, there's two ways that, uh, that Jesus says you'll be persecuted that are very closely related. They're closely related to the tongue and to uh, the way that people will persecute you with their speech. We see that in verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. People will say things about you behind your back, slander, lies, because you're a Christian, because you live a righteous life, they will want to attack you and they will say horrible things about you. It is inevitable. If you are a Christian, people will say horrible things about you. They will say that you said things that you never said. They will say that you did things you never did. And people will believe them based on what they have said. And the slander will spread, the gossip will spread as a result of what they are doing. It is part of the persecution that we should expect if we live righteous lives among non-Christians and we own Jesus Christ, we will be persecuted in such ways. But then in the middle he says uh, in verse 11, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I think because he's got the speech on either side of that word persecute, we can take persecute there in more of the physical actions that people will do against us as well. People will not stop at speech in persecuting Christians. They will be led to take action against you because of your Christian faith. And this can involve physical violence, And that has happened all through church history and is still happening today. The statistics say that more people are being physically persecuted today for the Christian faith than ever before. There are more Christians out there as the population has increased and Christianity is at a low in comparison to the world population and at least in comparison to what states would say the faith that they follow. And so people are being persecuted with physical violence as we speak. People will persecute you also with physical action for being a Christian. It may not be that they punch you. It may not be that they kick you. But it may be that you are forced to miss a promotion at work because you don't go along with the crowd, because you don't do that practice that is sinful that would get you the promotion. Or maybe your boss doesn't like the fact that you're a Christian. And so you're passed over and persecuted for it. You may be forced to actually lose your job altogether for being a Christian. 
And that is a type of persecution as well. You lose things and you are hurt with physical actions against you for being a Christian. That's the second question. What is the persecution that we should expect? The third question is, what is the reward for persecution? What is the reward for persecution for righteousness and because of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus outlines the rewards for us. Firstly, of course, as with all these beatitudes, with all these attitudes, we know that we have the blessing of God. We have his approval. It says at the beginning of the verses, blessed are those, it says in verse 10, who are persecuted, and then verse 11, blessed are you. And as we saw at the very beginning when I started these beatitudes, to have the blessing of someone means to have their approval. Just as I got the blessing of Jill's father to marry her, so we get the blessing of uh, God that he approves of us. And so it shows that we belong to him. When we experience persecution, it means we are truly one of the Lord's. He says that when you experience persecution, you belong to me. It shows that you are one of mine. Now, with all these later Beatitudes, we've got to be careful that we don't do them to get our salvation, to win God's approval. Rather, they are evidences that we already have God's approval. We have God's approval through Jesus Christ at the cross, but then we look to our lives for assurances that we truly have been saved. So when we start to look at our lives and we see peacemaking happening happening there, we think, oh yes, I really have been saved. God is working through me. When you're being merciful to someone, you think, oh God is definitely working through me. And it's the same with persecution. When you experience persecution, it's God's stamp of approval coming on you and saying, You are one of mine. You do belong to me. And so we should welcome it for that reason. But there are other reasons that he gives for persecution being a reward for us. There are other rewards. And these are given for us down in verse 12. In verse 10 there's one. Sorry. It says in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have a present reward here and now that we are part of the kingdom of heaven. When we experience persecution, we know that we belong to the kingdom of heaven, that we are part of that kingdom where we have God as our righteous king over us, looking after us, and that we are citizens of that heaven, of that kingdom, and we have all the blessings associated with it. And so we can rejoice in that, that reward that we have of being a part of the kingdom of heaven, a present reward. But then there's a future reward as well. Verse 12, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. When we experience persecution, we know that we have a great reward in heaven. As a result of the persecution, we have this huge reward. We know that we belong to God and we have this amazing reward in the next life. Our reward for being a Christian in this life is persecution and oppression and we go without certain things. But the reward in the next life is exceedingly better than anything this life you can experience. You have a huge reward in heaven. We can't understand fully what heaven will involve. 
We can't know all the pleasures that will be there. Our words cannot really express what will be there. And you see that there's this struggle with the prophets as they get revelations from God about what the next life will be. There's this struggle for them to express it because even uh, what we are today, we're so full of sin that we can't really comprehend and in the next life it's going to be so much better than anything here that it is just beyond our understanding. But we are to dwell upon that reward that we have. When we experience the persecution, we think about that reward that we have in heaven and how great it is. It says, because great is your reward in heaven. It doesn't say just to say you have a reward in heaven. It says it's a great reward. And so we, when we experience persecution, we know that we have that great reward. And then another present reward as well is at the end of verse 12. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you experience persecution, insults, slander for being a Christian, for living a righteous life, who are you standing with? You're standing with the prophets, Jesus says. You are up there with Isaiah, with Jeremiah, with Elisha and his bald head. You are there with him, linking arms with them And you are approved of by God in the same way that they were approved of by God. You are there with great men and women throughout the ages who were approved of by God. When you experience persecution, that is a great reward to know that you are standing there with such great men and women throughout the ages. So those are the rewards for persecution. And then the final question, the fourth question that I've asked is what are you to do when you are persecuted? What are you to do when you are persecuted? Well, you're not to retaliate. Jesus doesn't say that. You're not to resent the persecution. You're not to get depressed about the persecution either. And that would be logical that you would get depressed about being persecuted. If you were persecuted for your race, you would get very depressed about it. You'd be very upset about it. You may even be led to retaliate. It would generally be a means for depression, for getting upset. Persecution would lead to you sinking down and thinking about how oppressed you are. But what does Jesus say? Does he say get depressed? No, he says the opposite. He says, verse 12, Rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted. Rejoice and be glad. Not just rejoice, he says, and be glad. It's like exceedingly rejoice. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount where it's very close parallel to this in Luke, it says leap for joy. Actually leap for joy that you're being persecuted. Now why would he say this? It doesn't seem to make sense. It's a hard thing to understand. Persecution is a terrible thing. Why would we rejoice in it? Well, Jesus isn't telling us to rejoice in the fact that we are persecuted and to actually like the persecution itself. Persecution hurts, particularly if it's physical. I mean, the tongue can really inflict harm as well and can really hurt. But physical, it actually hurts. And it means that sinful people are committing sin against you. And so it will hurt. 
But Jesus isn't telling you to rejoice in that. He's telling you to rejoice that those rewards are yours. Those rewards that I just looked at, they are definitely yours, that you do belong to God. If you sometimes wonder whether you're a Christian or not, Jesus tells you with these Beatitudes and with this last one that you can know you're a Christian, you can know you're one of God's if you experience persecution. All these rewards come to you if you are persecuted and so wouldn't you rejoice to know that you're part of the kingdom of heaven, that you have a great reward in heaven, that God approves of you and that you're with the prophets. Rejoice and be glad. And so we see through church history, people when they're persecuted, when they're burnt, they go willingly and with great rejoicing that they are being persecuted because they know this text. They know that it means that they're definitely one of God's and they're off to heaven. Examples of of Christians uh, not famous for any other particular reason but then what they've said uh, at their martyrdom when a chain was put around a woman, a Christian woman called Alice Driver, around her neck, she said, Oh, she said, here is a good necklace. Blessed be God for it. She was proud of the fact that she was being persecuted for God. Anthony Person, with a cheerful countenance, embraced the stake where he was to be burned and kissing it, said, Now welcome mine own sweet wife, for this day shall you and I be married together in the love and peace of God. He kissed the stake and embraced it as a wife and said, I am now definitely one of the Lord's. I am off to heaven. I have a great reward. Lawrence Saunders also took the stake he was to be burned in in his arms and kissed it saying, Welcome the cross of Christ. Welcome everlasting life. He knew he was being persecuted for Christ and he welcomed it because it meant he was truly one of God's. John Noyes took up a bundle of wood at the fire he was to be burned at and kissed it and said, Blessed be the time that ever I was born to come to this. Blessed be the time that I was ever born to come to this. He saw it as wonderful that he had been born to die for Christ. What a blessing to die for Christ, to be persecuted for Christ. Other Christians, Denley, Carpenter and Shu, all sang in the flames that killed them when they were put to death for believing in Christ. They sang in the flames. So we can actually rejoice in the fact that people around the world right now are standing firm for Christ. It is evidence that God is still moving in this world and has many people who are rallying to him. Yes, we should mourn over the fact that evil men are doing that to people, doing that to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but Jesus says we're not meant to get depressed about it. We're meant to rejoice and be glad and they are meant to rejoice and be glad. It says all through the New Testament, rejoice in your sufferings. Be glad in those sufferings, particularly when you are persecuted for being a Christian. So this morning we've learned why we should be persecuted for righteousness and for Jesus, not for being religious nuisance. What persecution involves, what is the reward for persecution and what you are to do when you are persecuted. You're meant to rejoice and be glad. 
The question then is, have you been persecuted for righteousness and for Christ? Have you been persecuted for righteousness and for Christ? If no, well maybe that's because you aren't a Christian. You don't claim to be a Christian and therefore it's logical that you're not persecuted for being Christ and for righteousness sake. Well then I want to warn you, if that is you, if you're not a Christian and you're happy not being persecuted, well then the opposite of what Jesus says here applies to you. He says, cursed are you when you're not persecuted for righteousness sake, for Christ's sake. He says, yours is not the kingdom of heaven. Your reward is not great in heaven and you are not numbered among the prophets. Therefore, repent and believe. Don't miss out on those rewards. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ today and then welcome the persecution when it inevitably follows. If you don't think you'll be persecuted for being a Christian if you make a claim to him today, then I encourage you to do so. Then go home, ring all your family and tell them what you've done and ring your friends and tell them what you've done. They're non-Christians. It won't be long before you're dialing those numbers. One of them will say, you stupid idiot, what did you go and do that for? Are you really going to do that? Are you going to follow through with that? That's the beginning of the persecutions that will come to you. It is inevitable. If you claim Christ for your, your own, you will be persecuted. Maybe you say, no, I'm not persecuted for being a Christian, but I am a Christian. Why wouldn't you be persecuted even if you claim to be a Christian? Well, maybe you don't tell people that you're a Christian. Maybe you've claimed Christ as your Lord and Saviour, but you keep your faith to yourself. You hide the light that you have from Christ and you don't tell others around you. And then, it, Therefore, it's logical as well that you wouldn't be persecuted for being a Christian. If no one knows that you're a Christian, how can they persecute you for being a Christian? Or maybe you've claimed to be a Christian, you've committed your life to God, but you haven't changed your ways. You don't live righteous life before him. You don't live in accordance with his laws. You live like all the other sinners and non-Christians around you. Well, then it makes sense that they wouldn't persecute you either. If you're going with the flow, there's no reason for them to persecute you. You're not a moral conscience for them. If that is you, if you've been hiding your faith to yourself, if you've been living an unrighteous life, then you are not behaving like a Christian at all. Jesus calls us to make our light shine out amongst those around us, to affirm who we believe in, not hide it, and to live a righteous life, not put our faith in him and then live however we want to please ourselves. And so then these curses would apply to you as well. You would have the opposite. You show that you have never truly put your faith in him if you keep your faith to yourself. So I encourage you to repent of keeping your faith to yourself if that is you and of living an unrighteous life in spite of the faith that you may have professed to have in Christ and then rejoice and be glad in the persecution that will soon follow. If you start to live a righteous life, it will start to come with persecution. But if you say, yes, I do know of times when I've been persecuted for righteousness' sake, I do know of times where I've been persecuted for simply being a Christian, 
Well then I say, remember what Jesus says here, rejoice and be glad. You have God's stamp of approval. That is one way of knowing that you truly are the Lord's. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Your reward is great in the next life and you are numbered among the prophets. So let me encourage you, if that is you, to continue standing firm for Christ, continue living a righteous life and then rejoice in the persecutions that do inevitably follow as a stamp that God approves of you and you are one of his and you have such a great reward coming to you. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these Beatitudes that we have been looking at. We thank you that so many of them tell us how we can know that we are truly yours, that if we are merciful to those around us, we know that we will be shown mercy. If we are peace-loving to those around us, we know that we are blessed by you and will be called sons of God. We thank you for this last one that is so difficult to understand that we will be persecuted for having a faith in you we will be persecuted for being righteous for being holy but we thank you for the encouragement that Jesus gives us here that that means if we are persecuted we belong to you we have a great reward in heaven and we are there with the prophets We pray that we may indeed rejoice and be glad when we experience persecution ourselves. If we are ever called in this country to commit something that the country calls illegal in affirming you as our Lord, that we will stand firm. If they strike us in the face for affirming you to try and get us to recant, with every blow we may know that it is an assurance that we belong to you and we may rejoice in that. We do indeed pray for our brothers and sisters around the world at the moment experiencing physical persecution, giving their very lives for you. We pray that they may have the strength to persevere and that they may indeed rejoice and be glad and know that they truly belong to you and have a great reward in heaven. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.